It's a mandatory question every time the Cowboys are this heavy of a favorite. Is this or is this not a trap game? We'll discuss it tonight. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember to hit the like button for me as you join the stream on a Wednesday night. Packed show for us tonight. Uh, the Cowboys are heading into week 11. They're going to be facing the Carolina Panthers. And as we enter this week, one conversation has crept back into the social space, into the social media space is what I mean. And that is the fact that the Cowboys, as 10 and a half favorites, by the way, road favorites. So this is not a game that will be played on AT&T. Uh, it's going to be played in Carolina. And they're going to face the Panthers. You know, could this be the ever so fearsome trap game for the Cowboys? Tonight, we'll discuss a little bit of that. I'm going to show you the script right now. Uh, we're going to have a little segment that I made up entering this show. And it's going to be called Ouch, Panthers. And we're also going to be talking about, well, even though it could be a lifeless team, it could also be really, really dangerous. And we'll get into why. And then we'll close out the show with some doodles yes sir some literally you know literal pictures of my doodles because you know that we joke around with them a lot of the times but hey i wrote i, I drew every catch from brandon cooks i tweeted it it's like one of the weirdest trends that i've started on twitter the timeline seemed to like it and i know that we joke around with the drawings here on the chat all the time. So I said, you know what? What if instead of watching some tape, we toss up some pictures of my drawings and we talk about how the Cowboys involved Brandon Cooks in week 10. So we're going to do that as well. So we're ready for it. Let's talk about the Cowboys here. Uh, shout out to everyone who is joining the chat right now. We've got Katharina. We've got Toxic Tom. We've got a Panthers fan who isn't very relaxed even though his username is Relax and Talk Sports. Uh, shout out to Bruce, Justin. We've got Cam in here, Rico, Stephen White, Joey Bella. Thank you, everybody, for joining the show. So let's get to it. Let's have this little segment that I like to call Ouch, Panthers. Uh, let's run through some numbers here very quickly. Because I don't know if you've watched the Panthers any closely. You might have last Thursday when they played the Chicago Bears. And that was a very, very ugly game to watch. It was not fun at all. Uh, the Panthers just look like a lifeless team. Bryce Jong might still be too early to judge him, especially given the situation that he is in. But Bryce Jong is not looking anything close to what he looked like when he was at Alabama. He looks a little bit lost. He looks like he is much more inaccurate than he was when he was playing college ball. And... A lot of the times, to me, it feels like he is guessing what's going on on the offensive side of things. So, again, don't want to be too hard on a quarterback which is in such a terrible situation and who is in a very losing team behind a weak offensive line. But there's nothing, 
nothing when you watch the tape, when you look at the stats, that is even remotely scary about this unit. So as we enter this weekend, and we are getting ready to talk about more details here, but you know, if we want to talk about matchups and that sort of stuff, it's hard to do it. It is hard to do it because there's not a lot to say about the Panthers. And you know, the difference between them and the New York Giants, though, is that the Giants were playing with an undrafted rookie in Tommy DeVito, uh, who didn't look any like ready at all. And maybe Bryce Young has that spark where he can make some deep throws and maybe he can, you know mean some danger for the Cowboys defense, but on the much more real sense, as Michael Scott would say, uh, he can't. Like, he doesn't seem to be a threat at this particular point in time. And you might say, but don't they have Frank Reich? Don't they have a coach that could help the Panthers out and maybe make life easier for Bryce Young? Let's look at some numbers here very quickly, and let's talk about just how they've done stuff uh, very quickly. And I wanted to start with this one from Josh Norris. So let's begin with this Ouch Panthers segment. The Panthers, according to Josh Norris, play out of 11 personnel 90% of the time. Now, that's not too bad because the Rams, for example, a famous 11 personnel team, a team that we praised so much because they could only play 11 personnel, uh, play 11 personnel at a higher rate than the Panthers do. But Josh Norris notes, the Rams actually use a ton of motion to keep things a little bit more creative. So you can play out of 11 personnel, but you can deploy them in several different ways. You can use eye candy to keep defenses on their toes. You can change the formation at the last minute with motions at the snap, before the snap. Uh, the Panthers are not into any of that. They use it at the 29th rate in the NFL. So you want to talk about a static offense against the Cowboys? It might not get any more static than what it's going to be like on Sunday. Probably, because things might change a little bit, and we'll talk about that. That's going to be the dangerous part of the Panthers. Let's stick with the lifeless thing for a little bit here. You look at the red zone offense. Not only that, but how often do they get to the red zone? They're 29th in trips for the season, and they're 22nd in scoring rate when they get their touchdown rate, to be more specific. So they rarely get into the opponent's 20-yard line. And when they do, it's a grind for them to punch it in. It's not easy at all. And that might also be because of a lack of playmakers on the perimeter, a lack of running game, because then you want to look at the offensive line. And we're staying on the ouch banter segment here for a little bit. The offensive line is 24th in pass pro. It is 22nd in run blocking. It's just not pretty. And you might say, hey, you can do the things to really basically counterattack the lack of talent that the Panthers have right now, but they don't. Frank Reich's offense, and he's not the play caller. He's going to be on Sunday, spoiler alert. But whoever was calling the plays before was not inserting a lot of motion. He was not using a lot of you know, creative formations to get the defense up off balance. It just looks like a traditional offense, a little bit like, say, what the Cowboys looked like early in the season. Uh, not anymore, because they have really shifted away from what they were doing early in the year. And now the Cowboys passing offense looks like completely different. The Panthers are more or less in the same situation than they were the uh, last year. Uh, 
excuse me, early in the in the year. Having said all that, you know, do they have a good defense? This would suggest that they don't. You know, the 31st red zone defense in the NFL in terms of trips allowed. And then they're the 32nd in touchdown percentage. So nothing to talk about there. I'm not sure if we already talked about the offensive line. I think we already did. They're, you know, one of the worst in both categories. But there is one thing that might keep the Panthers like a dangerous team. And I would explain it, and I will, I and mean, we're gonna get deeper into it. But how about we just play this video first from the Athletics NFL insider Diana Rossini, who does a very good job, in my opinion, of painting a picture for us as to just how bad things are right now in Carolina. Let's roll the clip from the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays, who I really recommend as a follow on Twitter, and I really recommend you follow this show as well but here we go let's listen to what insider Diana Rossini has to say I don't think this is a situation like where we are seeing in Atlanta where the athletic just reported that it seems that Arthur Smith is safe here and ownership is supporting what they're trying to develop into in Carolina the sense I'm getting there and from having multiple conversations is that there's frustration with the way this offense is performing the development of Bryce Young the overall effort and energy from the players and from the coaches, the way the sideline looks during the game. I had one person say or describe it to me as looking lifeless. Um, so these are all parts of this team that ownership has seen themselves. They're looking at it. They're discussing it. They're having conversations about whether or not they feel that Frank Wright is the right guy as a head coach to get the best out of Bryce Young. So I think in terms of a leash right now, I, I think it's a short one for the future of this coaching staff because the, what they thought this would look like, what they thought this would be with all these different assistants, with all these different uh, backgrounds and philosophies, what they were hoping for this to look like versus the reality that it's it just too far apart. And, and I think the only way this staff can keep their jobs by the end of this year will be if there's significant improvement. And, and we'll just have to see if they're going to be able to put this together. Oh boy. You know what's scary in the NFL? And it really is scary. When a coach has his back against the wall, when noise is as loud as it's been since he's been there, and, you know, he's in the hot seat. He's one of the likeliest coaches to be fired pretty soon. I think, like, if you look at the betting odds, that would back it up. But the noise is loud right now in Carolina to the point that Frank Reich has taken back play-calling duties. Now, based on the past, what could that mean? Could it mean that maybe the Panthers really shift everything on their offense and start using motion 80% of the place or something like that? Probably not based on the past because we've seen Frank Reich be very conservative in that area, especially when he was in Indy uh, earlier in his career. But, you know, the point here is he could really do some unprecedented stuff for him, even as a, as, as a previous or former play caller himself. Now, Let's be very clear here. The Panthers roster is not anywhere close to the Cowboys roster. Like not a single bit close. Not even close. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that I've said that like three times in a row, but it is worthy of being said three times in a row because the Cowboys are by far the superior team on this one. And yet, have we not watched enough NFL to at least consider 
this question, right? Because this is a team that has toxic Tom says here in the chat. He says, never underestimate a team that has nothing to lose. Or Justin says, a man with nothing to lose. And that might be the dangerous aspect of this game. Now, we might think that about the roster and we know about the coaching stuff that is going on down there. Uh, I mean, they're in Carolina. But shout out to Lando McCool, who last week when I posted a meme or a tweet about like uh, the Cowboys being 17-point favorites over the Giants and what happened the time before that, Lando made a fantastic point, and you guys know Lando. I don't have to introduce him to you. Shout out to him, a Cowboys Twitter legend. Uh, he says, to be honest, save this for next week, meaning this week against the Panthers. And he added, like, you know, the Giants may be struggling, but it's a division game. We play the Panthers next week, who are worse, away on the East Coast in the early slot. That's the patented, patented mix for a classic Cowboys slow start game. And he has a little bit of a point, honestly, when he when he brings that to our attention. It's one of those games where Cowboys have the undeniable advantage on the edges, on the trenches, excuse me. You know, offensive line-wise, sure, the Panthers have some dogs in there. Brian Burns, the most famous one of them all. But the Cowboys should be able to handle him even if he lines up against Seren Steele every single down, who struggled versus Hassan Reddick uh, two weeks ago, the Cowboys should be able to handle that type of player uh, pretty much playing on his own at times there in Carolina. But it's one of those games where it's really more about proving, in my opinion, that they can survive such a weird spot. And when I say weird spot, I mean... Fresh off of a very dominant win against the Giants, like extremely dominant, where your starters were not playing or in the fourth quarter. You have a short week coming up because the Cowboys play on Thursday. Like from tomorrow in eight days, they're going to be playing on Thursday, Thanksgiving against the Washington Commanders, who are not a necessarily easy opponent, not like the Panthers are. Because, you know, Sam Howell is looking a little bit explosive. Eric Bieniemy is very being very aggressive, excuse me, with the way that they pass the football. They've got Terry McLaurin. They've got Jahan Dudson. They've got, oh man, I forgot his name, but I think Brown, who had a great game too uh, last week. They really lean heavily on their screens. You know, last week, the two leading receivers for the commanders were the two running backs. So there's some game plan stuff that the Cowboys need to ensure they get right for that Thanksgiving game, even more so because it's a divisional game. I don't think the Cowboys start slow against the Panthers. I think they roll over them. I think, the, and you know, I'm getting ahead of myself to tomorrow's show, which is the prediction show. And I already have my bet locked in, by the way. But it's one of those games where you still know something wacky might happen. Right, because it's a short week. I mean, prelude to a short week, and the other team is desperate. Specifically, the coaching staff is desperate. So you know they're not going to save any tricks for this one. They're going to try to keep it close as long as they can. Even still, the Cowboys are ten and a half point favorites, and they are first half six point favorites. 
which kind of means the sports brooks are like the Cowboys are going to get this one by halftime and they're likely not going to do a whole lot in the second half. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, uh, can the Cowboys survive this tough spot? It's one of those games where to me it's like them versus them, right? Sure, it's Cowboys versus Panthers, but it's also mostly Cowboys versus Cowboys. Even last Sunday, we were a little bit worried. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna go back to two. I'm gonna go back two Sundays against the Eagles. And yes, they lost to the Eagles, but we were somewhat worried that the Cowboys were not gonna show up and that it was gonna be ugly against a contending caliber team. So it's like one of those things where we were a little bit worried and they proved us wrong because they might have lost, but it was such a close game and so many bounces went the Eagles' way that you're like, you're happy with the performance. You're not happy with the result and what it means for the NFC East race, but you're happy with the performance. Fast forward one week against the Giants. You know, is that going to be a trap game? I don't think any one of us thought that it was going to be one mainly because of the Tommy DeVito situation. But I can guarantee you that if the Cowboys were playing Daniel Jones or even, say, Tyra Taylor last weekend, the whole trap game combo would have been much larger, right? Like, we would have talked about it much more. Fast forward to this week, and for the first time in a while, it kind of feels a little bit more worthy of calling it a trap game because the Cowboys are double-digit favorites on the road, you know, the noon stuff that Lando mentioned on his tweet, the fact that it is on the East Coast, on the West Coast, East Coast, excuse me. So all that could really mix badly for previous year's Cowboys. But I really do believe that this roster is much better than, you know, than what we've seen this year, uh, in previous years, excuse me. So I would say they're sort of trap game proof if that makes sense. So I'm going with no, it's not a trap game, but it is a situation where I'm excited to see like if the Panthers do anything crazy early in the game as they're desperate to save their jobs over there. Uh, let's see here. Justin says, I watch every game too. I don't care who we are playing. We could be playing the Montreal outlets from the CFL. Hey, I think most of us who are here tonight talking about Cowboys football on Wednesday, uh, I believe are going to be the same, Justin. So I'm with you there. Let's see here. All is well, says I think Dallas focuses on the run game this week. And while I would love to see that because, you know, it's a good opportunity to maybe work some fixes in into the run game, I would also not like to see the Cowboys just lean in the run game early on just to maybe be overconfident against the Panthers, if that makes sense. Just win it first or, or, or build a two-possession lead, whatever is the best way to do it. For example, throwing the football, which is what has worked over the last three weeks, and then work the fixes in in whatever you want. Then test out the run game if you do. That's just me, though. Uh, we'll see. I don't know that the Cowboys will mess around and you know start slow. Because if you go into that first quarter and you're like, let me try what has not worked for me, and then there's a fumble or whatever, and the Panthers go 7-0 in the first quarter, it shouldn't be an issue. But then you're not playing a very comfortable game, are you, if that makes sense? Again, though, I don't see this one being a... I don't see this one being a close game, however. 
Let's see here. Uh, just do what works. Don't try to find yourself as toxic. That's exactly what I mean here. Just get the get the two possession lead or whatever or three possession lead, and then do your thing if you want to do your thing here and there. But pick your spots and be very wise about it because you don't want to go into this one just thinking, man, we can run the football on Carolina because so far you have not been able to run the football on pretty much anyone, right? Except for the situations where they have been way up on the scoreboard and they can do whatever they want. Let's see here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I had seen one comment that I wanted to read, but I lost it. So I'm sorry about that one. House Nelson says, switch the names around. Tommy Jones and Daniel DeVito. Penguin and two-facing Gotham City. Conspiracy exposed, says House Nelson. That's the type of content that I'm signing up for. That is the type of content. Now, we're going to talk more about this game tomorrow night. For now, though, before we get out of here on this Wednesday night, let's talk about Brandon Cooks. Nine catches, 173 yards, and one touchdown. His final numbers against the Giants. By now, you probably have those memorized because everyone has talked about the Brandon Cooks situation and for all the right reasons. You know, we were concerned about Brandon Cooks' lack of involvement in the passing game. And then against the Giants, we saw him blow up. And it was so encouraging to see. And now the question moving forward is, Will we continue to see that kind of performances from number three or from the number two wide receiver of the Dallas Cowboys? So I kind of like drawing up some diagrams of the place uh, when a player has a performance like this one. Did it two weeks ago with CeeDee Lamb. Did it this week with Brandon Cooks. Going to try to do it every single week that I can and post them on Twitter. At NFL. it's M-A-U-NFL in case you don't follow me yet. I invite you to go ahead and do so. So I drew every Brandon Cooks catch right here. And excuse me if you have to zoom in or whatever. But there's some things that I do want to point out. Uh, it's nine catches. And we can really look at these ones right now. I numbered them just to be on the same page, everyone. First play is nothing but a basic like dragon concept where both him and CeeDee Lamb are working slants. So nothing to see there, maybe. Uh, Number two, and this is the Cowboys being backed up on their five-yard line. And by the way, just to be clear, the routes that are painted in blue and that have the little O filled out in blue, that's Brandon Cooks. That's the highlight player that we're looking at. So here it is, uh, Brandon Cooks from the slot. He's running a basic quick out where he's selling off the inside move and then he's going outside, but it's a very designed play to go to him as Dak Prescott is really just sprinting out and finding his guy. It's a little bit of a high-low read down the right sideline. If the defenders go high, then give it to Brandon Cooks, which is exactly what happened. Nothing too special there. The route running was very special. Shout out to Brandon Cooks for that route. I think it was very underrated. And then you get the crosser on the third play. And this is where it starts to get interesting. Notice that He's the isolated receiver there. He's the X in that situation. And we're starting to see much more of that too. We, we talked about CeeDee Lamb taking on some of the Michael Gallup snaps as the X receiver. We're also seeing some of that with Brandon Cooks. And I don't have the actual numbers on it. So this is purely anecdotally. But it feels to me like this is the first time in a while where the Cowboys have really delivered on the promise that everyone can line up everywhere. 
Because I really do believe right now, CD can be the isolated guy just as much as Brandon Cooks can be the isolated guy. And then when they run these three-by-one looks, somebody can be the number two guy and the number three guy back-to-back plays. And that means like number one through three from the outside to the inside, right? So three being the closest to the offensive line. We're seeing a lot of variety there. And I like that because it means that the Cowboys are really seeing and witnessing this wide receiver room blossom into a very versatile unit where Brandon Cooks at 80% of his snaps on this one out wide. And that is the highest rate of the season so far for him. And yet many of his catches came from the slot. So it's like a very cool thing to see the Cowboys being so varied in their attack. Uh, So going back to number three there, you can see just a simple crosser. I love seeing these crosser routes for Brandon Cooks as you know, it's a very cool way to implement his speed. But look at that crosser route and look at the detail right there. Uh, CD Lamp is marked with a C. I'm not sure if you can see that. He's the slot receiver to the left side of the formation. And they're just running crossers to opposite sides. Uh, but CD here is working more of a clear route. And I don't think that CD is ever an option there for Dak Prescott, maybe like an alert pre-snap or something. But this football is always going to Brandon Cooks, in my opinion, based on what we saw. Because Dak Prescott is spinning out to his left and he's throwing across his body. So it's really like a flawed concept to the left where they he's got uh, three receivers on the left side and Seed is just running a clear route to really pull the attention of the defense. And that is so cool to see too. Because it's not the Cowboys just using CD to get him the football. It's them using him as a decoy too. And then number four, uh, just a little bit of a hot route, I believe, because the linebacker is blitzing. And Brandon Cooks really turns very quickly and Dak finds him for a quick gain. We're going to go to the next couple of plays here. The diagrams are going to be larger on this one. Uh, Number five, the touchdown. That's a touchdown play. And that's a three-by-two formation. So you got to love that. Empty offense for the Cowboys. And they're going to get CD at number two. Excuse me. Brandon at number two. CD on the opposite side. Stacked with Tony Pollard. And I'm just going to be like, hey, I like that combination where CD is on one side. But then Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson, who are also top concerns, are on the left side. I see your I see your comments that maybe the first the first uh, picture was too small. I'm gonna take a note of that and I'm gonna make them like this moving forward. So hopefully you know you enjoyed a little bit more. But that's just a corner route from Brandon Cooks. Great route. But I know I love that the Giants are basically playing like a too high defense on this one. I noticed Jake Ferguson next to the line of scrimmage on the left side. He's marked with a Y as a Y tight end. And he just runs to the safety on that side. And that basically ensures that Brandon Cooks has a one-on-one. And this is from the 10-yard line. So running a corner route from the 10-yard line really gives Brandon Cooks a lot of room to work with his speed. And that's a touchdown. uh, And it isn't really close. Like, it's a clear-cut touchdown all the way. Uh, Then you get a four verticals look here. And I'm going to show you that play, actually, because I think it's a weird way to... uh, really line up for the Giants, in my opinion. But it's also caused by the Cowboys. So they get CeeDee Lamb out of wide to the left, and they get Jake Ferguson 
next to him. And they're going to run not really four verticals because the outside receivers stop 10 yards in and the and C, and Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson keep going. But because the Giants are running a one safety, a single high safety defense where they just have one to one guy to help out with all vertical routes, he works towards CD's side and Jake Ferguson's side. And in a way that makes sense because they're maybe the top threats, especially CD. And the cornerback gives and the cornerback towards Brandon Cooks' side, the one that is marked we see there, is playing with inside leverage. So you can see just Brandon Cooks win this rep all the way through. Let me show you what that looks like right now. That's that's actually not it. Uh, this is it. Brandon Cooks on the top side of the screen on the slot. That's a touchdown all the way. Also a beautiful throw from Dak Prescott. You're going to see it in a while here. I can play it again for y'all. This is cover one from the Giants, man. Brandon Cooks really just showing that he still has that those wheels. I'm going to show it to you again so you can appreciate it from the wide view. Look at the safety working towards CD side all the way through. That's a true one-on-one for Brandon Cooks. and Not a lot of cornerbacks in hand with his speed. Also a great blitz pickup from Tom Pollard. Shout out to him. Final two plays. No, actually final three plays. Sorry about that. But we're not going to focus on a lot of this. Uh, let's go directly to number eight. And that is the throw of the game. That is probably the best throw of Dak Prescott's season. And you know about the throw, and it's okay. We're going to look at it. You know, just play action, pressure on his face, steps up into the hit, and just an absolute dime for Brandon Cooks. But let's watch it again, and do not watch Dak Prescott now. Just watch Brandon Cooks run that route for a little bit. He's already won with the crosser. Now he's going to sell the crosser and work back. It's a double move. And man, the way that he gets out of that break and how quickly he runs. Dak Prescott, that, that Prescott throws, throws the ball before the break even. like Maybe not before before the break, but man, I wish I could stop it. I wish I would have edited this one just so you can see where, when Dak really throws that football and where Brandon Cooks is when he does. Such an amazing play. And then the final catch of the game for Brandon Cooks, I mean, not that special in terms of what it meant, because obviously the Cowboys were blowing out the Giants. But I love that formation where CD is all the way to the right. And then he motions into the bunch formation. And it really just clears things up for Brandon Cooks. And this is like a Kyle Shanahan-esque way of skimming a wide receiver open by a wide margin. And man, I just love that two weeks ago, I was obsessing about how the Cowboys used CD Lamp. And this week, you can do the same with Brandon Cooks too. So... I think that it wasn't like a one-thing or one-hit wonder type game. I think that Brandon Cooks is going to remain involved in the offense. And I love that the Cowboys wide receivers are really looking like a very interchangeable bunch of guys, if that makes sense. Uh, Let me see some of your comments here very quickly. Let's see here. Uh, Play action was the key, says Gregory. We saw a lot of play action on that game. Uh, it's been a feature of the Cowboys offense as of late. Justin says they can have it, and the rest of the boy wonders magic. Let's see here. Cam says Pollard got to get his stuff together. Man, Pollard Pollard is in a situation where I believe Cowboys Nation is giving him the Ezekiel Elliott treatment from last year, isn't he? 
he's in this situation where everyone wants the other guy to get more carries. And I'm not blaming you. I'm with you. Like, I'm on the Rico Dowdle train, too. <laughs> but it's funny how the, how the turntables, as Michael Scott would say, too. Toxic says, Moses or Playbook have Pollard at center, or did we scrap that? <laughs> Man, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point. No, I'm just kidding. It's not going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, and I, I, Cam asked, hey, could it be his ankle with Pollard? I'm not sure if it could be his ankle because at times then the, the explosiveness is also there. But Cam, I, I feel you because I've had that like same concern. I think it's a bunch of things with the Cowboys run game right now. Because it might be a little bit of the play calling and you know what the Cowboys are scheming up for these guys. And then the blocking sometimes is very inconsistent. But they're also ranked as one of the best run blocking offensive lines in a lot of key metrics. So it's really hard to figure out what the run game issue is. And I wouldn't be the person to answer that, at least uh, not now, because I haven't really, I mean, I haven't done a deep dive into it. But right now, I think it's a mix of things. And I even think like, you know, giving Rico Dowd more more touches is going to be a factor in solving the issue. But that's not the whole issue. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Katharina, of course, tomorrow night, Skywalker Steel will be joining uh, ADC Sports Dallas primetime. So make sure you tune in. It's the first crossover we've done in a while, and we are excited about it. So do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Share the stream, and I'll see you tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central. Excited about what's to come and see you guys tomorrow. Let's go.